Welcome to God Pods, Faith Conversations from Boston College's Church in the 21st Century Center. Welcome to God Pods. I'm Elisa Taliano Yurenic, Associate Director for the Church in the 21st Century Center at Boston College. For most people, the word Lent conjures up images of fasting from sweets, alcohol, and meat on Fridays, or maybe saying a few more prayers here and there between Sunday Masses. Prayer and fasting are two of the practices we easily incorporate into Lent. But what about that third practice, almsgiving? How can we better incorporate acts of charity into the 40 days we get with Lent? Our guest today chronicled one Lent in which she took almsgiving very seriously, although she wrote about it with a great deal of humor. Carrie Weber, who is an executive editor at America Media, authored the 2014 book Mercy in the City, How to Feed the Hungry, Give Drink to the Thirsty, visit the imprisoned, and keep your day job. Carrie is married with two children and since 2012 has served as a Mercy Associate in the greater New York area. She joins us today to talk about finding God through mercy. Welcome to God Pods, Carrie. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Your 2014 book, Mercy in the City, chronicles one particular Lent in your late 20s in which you decided to complete the seven corporal works of mercy in New York City. When it comes to the practice of almsgiving during Lent, most people like me don't think too much beyond the rice bowls that they can drop their loose change in. While you don't disparage that kind of act of kindness, you did up the almsgiving ante during that Lent. What inspired you to take on that challenge? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about what to do for Lent, and I was also thinking about uh, an article I was working on for America magazine where I work, and it was about um, a prison chaplain who was teaching theology to the men at the prison. And so I was looking into sort of prison ministry, Googling around, coming across a, ended up coming across a list of the corporal works of mercy. And um, one of those is visiting the imprisoned. And I started to look at the rest of them, and I recognized them as acts that I had sort of learned about as a kid on this list that, you know, we had to memorize for my Catholic school religion classes. But I also realized that they were not acts that I was sort of consciously making an effort to live out in my life. So I wanted to try to make a bigger commitment to them, and Lent was coming up, and that seemed like a good time to try to do something new in my spiritual life. That's great that Google led you there. The book begins, I didn't realize how in a city with 24-hour stores, 8 million people, and infinite possibilities, mercy would help me find peace. Most young people do yoga or meditation if they're looking to kind of quiet down or find some peace. And instead, as you said, you sprung into action. How did you link finding peace with doing the works of mercy, or was that an accidental discovery? Yeah, I think it was something I kind of learned along the way, because I, the works of mercy were leading me to a closer relationship with God and to a closer relationship with um, the people of God. And anytime you move closer to those things, you move closer to the peace that, that God offers us. And so I was glad to be able to um, kind of find that uh, kind of contemplative and action element that uh, the Jesuits talk about a lot, um, where, you know, I was finding some 
elements of prayer in my work, and I was using my prayer to kind of direct where I should go in in these works, and uh, all of it was was leading me to feel um, clo- to feel closer to God in a in a really powerful way. Did you know you were going to chronicle this Lent when you were going through it? You know, I did. I had had been in conversation with folks at Loyola Press about uh, possibly writing a book, and I had um, come up with, they had wanted something maybe Lent-related, and as I started um, looking at that list, as I mentioned, I thought, you know, maybe I can try to do these things, and maybe I can try to write about it, because uh, I think that will help me process it, and it might help other people who are trying to jumpstart this as well. Um, and the, even though I knew I wanted to try to write about it as I was going through it, I didn't know if it would quote-unquote work. I don't know if that's that's not the right spiritual word, but in a sense, um, you know, I didn't know if this was going to lead me closer to God, if it was going to be fruitful, if it was going to be um, worth uh, telling other people about in the end. And I think that um, the real joy of it, the real purpose uh, of it in a sense is is not to tick the boxes, right? It's the process. It's it's the relationships that grow from it. And um, I was I was very conscious about trying to write about all my thoughts and feelings and experiences as they happened because I didn't want to look back uh, with this kind of Pollyannish memory of everything and say, oh, like I remember when I went there and I helped to serve, you know, this and help. Um, this person do this, and oh, I just felt so wonderful, and now I feel wonderful looking back on it. Like, I wanted to chronicle some of that, what turned out to be, you know, discomfort, some of that fear, some of that anxiety over, you know, am I doing this right? Is there a right way to be doing this? Should I be thinking about me and how I'm doing this so much, or should I maybe be thinking more about the people I'm trying to serve? Should I be being more conscious of what, you know, I'm learning from them and where we're headed together, and how how do we all go about this? Um and so it was really helpful to me spiritually to be able to write about it as I was going through it because it helped me to process all the questions that came up. For our listeners who haven't read the book or for those like me who might not be able to rattle off the seven corporal works of mercy from memory, um, could you share a little bit about what you did to complete each of the works of mercy? Sure, no problem. So um, for Feed the Hungry, I worked at a Breadline in um, in uh, Midtown Manhattan, I guess you can say Midtown. And I don't think anyone outside of New York cares whether <laughs> whether it's thirties or Midtown or not. It's a little below Midtown. Um, and I uh, then to give drinks to the thirsty. I ended up handing out water at a road race and then going to a um, uh, exhibit about uh, water scarcity. Uh, to clothe the naked, I worked at a Catholic worker clothing room, which handed out um, free clothes to anyone who needed them. Uh, shelter the homeless, I volunteered at a homeless shelter where I, I stayed there um, to help uh, vol- to help sort of man the shelter overnight. Um, to visit the imprisoned, I went to San Quentin State Prison in the Bay Area and uh, spoke with some of the men there who were taking theology classes with um one of the Jesuit chaplains there, uh, to visit the sick. I went to a um, retirement home and infirmary for the Sisters of Mercy where I um, chatted with women who really beautifully ministered to each other um, and made me uh, realize 
that how much um, they were able to, to heal me in, in their through their example. Uh, and then for burying the dead, I went to a cemetery where I uh, tried to um, talk, where I talked to a grave digger because I was not actually able to um, physically dig a, a grave myself for this project. Um, but there, I also, you know, thought about the other ways in which we um, are able to 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 complete that work of mercy in a less literal sense. That's great. Um, do you have a favorite or most memorable experience from those? Um, I think one of my most memorable things was going to San Quentin State Prison um, and talking to the guys there. They were um, a really beautiful group of guys that um, just had very a lot of sincerity in their in their faith in the conversations that I had with them, um, and. You know, I think in some sense when I, it, it also made me um, pause as I, you know, as I went through these these acts that I had gone in thinking like, you know, I'm going to interview prisoners and I had forgotten that they were people really, you know. So I, I was able to stop and just be present to uh, the humanity that was there and to... Um, allow the graces that they were able to offer me to kind of sink in. Yeah, there was a moving line um, that stayed with me um, that the chaplain you had encountered there, he had said basically that these are human beings, they're not their crimes, um, which was really quite beautiful. Um, Another thing I was struck by was the detail of um, this prisoner that you uh, named Johnny, who had converted to Catholicism at San Quentin and took it upon himself to do acts of mercy for um, his fellow prisoners. Did you learn anything particular from that example? Well, I think um, we think a lot about the works of mercy as like uh, the kind of things that you have to go out from, right? You have to, you must go somewhere to do them, to minister to someone sort of in this sense of otherness. And he was doing them right where he was. He was obviously very limited in what he could do and where he could go. Um, but he was not limited. Um, but, you know, but, but the grace of God is not limited. And so it's actively at work, even in prison. It was one lesson you learned yourself too. Um, if I recall, you made a note that, um, we're not just called, like you said, to be, um, merciful to people who are neediest or the strangers, but we also have to be merciful to our loved ones, friends, and coworkers. Um, I find that sometimes hard. Uh, do you think it's harder to extend mercy to people who are closer to home, um, who you have to kind of have a messy encounter with regularly? Yeah, I, I do sometimes because, you know, uh, we know their story, right? When when you're ministering um, in a situation where it's you're with a stranger, if they are, you know, crabby towards you or if they seem ungrateful, for something that you're trying to do, um, you can say, you know what, they probably had a tough day, they're dealing with a lot of stress, they're dealing with X, Y, and Z. Um, this isn't about me anyway. You know, I, I'm glad to just be in this situation. But, I, you know, sometimes if it's somebody you know, who you're like, I know you had a fine day. I know you have no right to be grabby at me right now. It's, it's a lot um, harder to give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes, even though you uh, know and and love them um, because in a sense you expect more from them I think um, and maybe you expect more of that mercy to be shown to you but the point of mercy is not to make things like you know an even game of like well I showed you mercy why aren't you being merciful to me 
you know, the point, the point is uh, to just give of ourselves in a way that is, is Christ-like. Um, and, and hopefully these acts of mercy to the people that we know will, will bring us closer together, you know, and um, redirect that joint relationship toward God in really powerful ways. It's so true. Um, I think on the flip side, though, how in New York City, there's no shortage of kind of people on the margins or strangers to encounter. Um, but for people who live in different, um, you know, rural settings or who drive to work, they might not have those opportunities. Um, but Pope Francis has challenged all of us, kind of regardless of where we live or what our circumstances are, to encounter the poor face to face. And he says that while giving them, you know, from our excess or from from what we have in terms of money or items is good, um, we really have to encounter the poor. Um, after, you know, going through this experience, would you agree with him? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with Pope Francis, <laughs> especially in relationship uh, to the pover- to to the issues around poverty, um, I think uh, yeah we have to encounter um, people because that's the way in which we learn to love them. Like, you know, however much you give um, of you know financial resources or material resources, that can be really good and powerful. But if you don't think about you know who is the recipient of those or how you can be changed by the people that you're trying to minister to, then we haven't really fully participated in in mercy at, at its greatest depth. And I think um, when we open ourselves up to that, it can be really powerful. And, the per- it's, you know, in order for this to be true, it doesn't have to be... Um, it's not valid only for people in, like, the greatest degree of poverty either. You know, it can be people... Um, in your, that you know who are, you know, um, in need of, uh, help with childcare or something, you know, something that they can't afford, but that you can volunteer to, you know, watch their kids for a little while. And, um, or it might be somebody who is sick or has sick kids and you can bring them a meal. You know, that's, that's real mercy. It doesn't have to be, um, only to people who are, you know, a certain degree uh, different from yourself. And I think it's it can be really powerful um, to recognize in that way that we, too, can be the recipients of that mercy, right? We're not here just to, to, um, to, to you know, to find people that we can give stuff to and then feel good about ourselves. The point is uh, to be in relationship with others, and that means often accepting help and accepting mercy when we need it, too. I was moved, um, you know, that insight's particularly moving, making yourself um, sort of prepared to receive mercy. Uh, I was also moved by your awareness that it wasn't just what you were doing or who you were doing it to, but the way in which you were doing an act of mercy. So what your attitude, your commitment, the zeal that you brought to it mattered. Can you describe maybe one of the episodes that prompted you to think more deeply about that? Yeah, you know, I thought about it. Um... In in the example of the prison that I mentioned to, but also in the example of um, going to the homeless shelter, because at that stage I think I was really like um, I was very busy. I was trying to make sure I kind of was able to plan an activity for each of these um, these works of mercy, and I kind of had like just put this on the books, and I was like, okay, homeless shelter, it's on the books. When I get there. 
that'll be my mercy, and it'll be done. Um, and then I showed up at the door of the homeless shelter, and I was like, oh, all right, okay, what am I actually going to do right now, right? I need to, I'm entering into what is essentially um, uh, these folks' home, right? Like, as, as close as they can get to one, and I'm a guest here, and I don't know how I'm going to be received, and I don't know how, um, like, uh, what what I'll be doing or, you know, how useful it'll be, um, but I think that the chance to um, to be there ended up being really powerful um, because it wasn't about being there sort of to open the door and to sweep the floor and to clean up the meals and stock the refrigerator, although those are things that I did. It was being there to just have conversations with the guys and, you know, learn about where they had come from and where they were going to and how so hard a lot of the guys there were working, right? Like uh, several of them had jobs, right? They're not um, uh, trying to, you know, game the system here. They just really couldn't afford to live in one of the most expensive cities around on uh, what they were earning. And so they were, you know, they would wake up and they would go to work and they they would come back and sleep at the shelter. Um, and it really, um, you know, made me stop and think about just like making sure that I was deliberate going into these activities, trying to make sure um, that I didn't forget um, about the importance of the humanity and the people that I was, I was trying to um, work with and uh, that I didn't end up seeing this, you know, as a checklist. I wanted to make sure that it was about relationship. Well, you make that really clear um, by your detailing of so many of those personal encounters. Um, as a side note or an aside, one thing I loved about that chapter was how you kind of laugh at the fact that I think someone told you, you know, we're called to shelter the homeless, but they were actually kind of sheltering you when you went to stay with them, oh, um, which was just one, yeah, ex- absolutely. <laughs> one example of the jokes that kind of run through and great humor that runs through the book. Um one theme that comes through the book is that um, when we commit to mercy, we need to be consistent. Uh, you even kind of call yourself out a few times for being merciful at one point in the day and failing at it um, later, which is perfectly human, uh, but something you do acknowledge. Have you found it easier over time uh, to consciously and consistently practice mercy as you've kind of um, brought it into your mind more regularly? Yeah, I mean, I like to think of it as trying to get into this kind of mindset of mercy, and I'm an imperfect practitioner of it, as as you mentioned, but I think it's easier for me to spot the ways in which uh, I live it out inconsistently and to try to work on those, and it's easier for me to spot opportunities for mercy in the day and to just simply label things as mercy, which gives them... um, the actions and the day, you know, this uh, it infuses them with a real sense of the sacred, right? That it's not just um, doing someone a favor, being kind of nice, but it, it's something that is, is like I said, it's sacred, and it brings you into um, relationship with other people and with God. And you know, after uh, the project ended, I really found myself um, being more conscious of this, but. In particular, um, my the, uh, my sister gave birth to a baby that passed away on the same day, and you know we were obviously um, crushed. And the response from 
um, our friends and family and community was was really powerful and really beautiful. And, you know, in those meals and cards um, and the ways in which people responded to that, I was able to see through the lens of mercy, through that lens of, of burying the dead. Um, and, it, you know, it wasn't just about, like, an, an act of, um, phys- like, something that related physically to one particular body, but the way in which the body of Christ related to itself to heal, in that sense, to all, all of the members that we knew coming together um, to really show that mercy to us, um, to my niece, and to the, her very brief life in a really powerful way. Well, what a great example and testimony of being able to receive mercy. Thank you for sharing that. You know, one thing that came to mind while while you've been talking is that your book, the timing of your book, um, was right just after the election of, um, or at least it was published just after the election of Pope Francis. And probably around the same time, if not just a little bit later, he launched a full, full-fledged full year of mercy. Um was that encouraging to you, confirm, confirmation of what you had been doing? Um, how did that affect your view your view of mercy and your experience of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much take credit for the whole year. I mean, he obviously <laughs> he read the book, he was inspired. Uh, no, uh, it was, I mean, it, it, everyone was laughing at me because they were like, man, you couldn't have asked for like a better PR arm than the Pope right now. That's, <laughs> like, that's right. But thankfully, he was not, like, you know, he was... Uh, directing people toward toward this this uh sort of charism of mercy that is is obviously much bigger than anything I did or anything related to the book and is something really beautiful and healing for the church um and I think people really embraced it because uh, it's people associate the Catholic Church as being sort of this church of sort of like rules and of no, I think sometimes, you know, and what you can't do. And I think mercy is about all that we can do, even in our brokenness. It's about um, the ways in which we come together, the ways in which we're healed and forgiven and um, taken into the heart of of Christ uh, and loved uh, no matter what. At the conclusion of the book, you were just beginning a new chapter in your life as something called a mercy associate. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about what that is? Yeah, the mercy associates are lay men and women who want to participate in the charism of mercy um, that the Sisters of Mercy live out through their religious life. So you commit to um, prayer and community and um, and action related to to that mercy and the different sort of um regions and chapters kind of live it out in different ways um you might be part of a prayer group you might be part of a service group go on a retreat um the associates are often invited to um sort of give feedback on the even the direction of um the sisters of mercy's uh priorities themselves so it's a uh, it can be a really powerful relationship. That's great. Um, the unexpected part of Mercy in the City that I found was that you were chronicling your dating adventures and misadventures during that Lent. Um, you spoke about how the single life allowed you to make the most of your time and to live with intention, including doing these works of mercy, um, which I loved. One line you say, even though I'm busier, my days feel more deliberate. 
How do you incorporate mercy into your life now that you're married and have two children? Um, I keep wondering if it's possible for people to weave in mercy to their day-to-day lives with their other vocational or professional responsibilities. Yeah, uh, so as you mentioned, my life has changed quite a bit since I wrote the book. Um, but I I think that nothing uh, enables you to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, and clothe the naked like two kids. Just, <laughs> I've got those covered now. <laughs> um, but I, I do think, uh, you know, I say that jokingly, but I do think that, like, I see the mercy in those actions much more deliberately because I think those are things that's very easy as a parent to like dread, like, oh my gosh, mealtime is going to be a fight over whether or not he's going to eat this vegetable. And then I'm going to have to either give up and give him noodles and chicken fingers, or, um, you know, we're going to have a standoff until he finishes the vegetable, you know, like instead of trying to, um, to, to kind of see the ways in which, um, we're, we're, you know, nourishing our kids or clothing our kids as, as part of, of, that relationship um and it's also made me see that like mercy might look different at different times in your life and that's okay um you know i don't think that um i I am not able to kind of like just run off out of whim and change my schedule and you know day or night places as easily as i could have um when i'm single but i also think that my my kids introduced me to um examples of mercy in and of themselves. And and I'm also mindful of ways in which our family might participate in these things so that they can learn um, about mercy as just a part of life. So, for example, one of uh, our parish uh, helped sponsor a mother and daughter um, refugee who were refugees from Colombia, and they were staying in our town, and they were taking people to the church was asking people to take some grocery shopping every week. So we took one of the weeks and um, went grocery shopping with this mother and daughter. And it was just like the most normal thing in the world. Um, and, you know, my my son had a lot of fun chatting with the daughter, and she was sort of teaching him the names of, um, like, body parts in Spanish, and it was adorable. And it's, it's not something that is, like, going to change any policy or change – um, really the course of, of anybody's life in a sense. But at the same time, I hope that, you know, when my son gets older, he remembers that it mattered to our family enough to do those things and, and looks back and says, you know, huh, like we were, you know, I know my parents were busy. I know they were tired. Why would they have dragged me out to the uh, grocery store with a family we didn't know? Um, and I hope that he... Um, has has fond memories of, or maybe he won't remember this particular instance, but as we grow, like has more of these kinds of memories where he realizes that these things matter to us, that they matter to our faith, and that they matter to our world, and that hopefully he learns to grow and embrace those things as he gets older as well. That's great. I love that idea of merciful families, uh, that you're all doing it together. Um, well, Carrie, we're sharing this podcast with our listeners so that they can help. Uh, it can help them to find God more easily during Lent. And you share at the beginning of the book that you have always liked Lent and had an affinity for it. Um, would you share with our listeners why that is, and if you still feel that way? 
<laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I do. This hasn't soured me on Lent yet. Uh, I really, I do. I like Lent because I think that it it's a lovely chance for um, a fresh start in a sense. That it's it's um, it, it sort of comes right around the time often that your like commitment to your New Year's resolutions has waned somewhat, and it gives you a chance to kind of recommit, um, but to something more important um, than you know self improvement, but to recommit to your relationship with God and the people of God and each other, um, and to do it in a powerful way. And that there's and there's such beautiful liturgies around um, the season and just um, beautiful prayers. And uh, there's no you know there's no commercialization as I write about. You know, there's no like Lent present ad that you're getting, you know, like we're get your Lent gifts now. You know, you don't have to worry about any of those things except for growing in your relationship with God in the midst of beautiful traditions. And uh, yeah, so I still like Lent. That's great. Um, well, our last question we hope is fairly simple. Um, Carrie, where did you experience or see mercy today? You know, I have experienced mercy in uh, my husband, who it was technically today, uh, got up and did like the 1 a.m. diaper change and rocking of our baby so that I could sleep a little bit longer. So I suppose it's uh, in that he, I, yeah, maybe I should have jumped at that chance to be merciful, but I was really tired. And the, the willingness um, of my husband to be my real partner in these, in these, in our, relationship and our parenting um, is, is just a chance for me to grow in mercy and to be a recipient of mercy and, and to motivate me to be more merciful as well, to, to, to share um, in the gifts and challenges of our family together. Well, Carrie, we're so grateful that you were able to join us today. I know you've encouraged um, me and I'm sure our listeners to adopt a mindset of mercy, as you called it, this Lent. Um, we wish you and your family uh, a wonderful Lenten season full of uh, mercy and hopefully a little bit of rest, too. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. For more Catholic Faith resources, follow us at bc.edu backslash c21 or via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.